mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, as we continue our series on the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do this week and then do one more. I'm going to do one next week about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But this week we're going to look at the continued feeling of the Holy Spirit, what we would call the threefold ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has died, been in the grave three days, rose again. And then we now see Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, sometimes called the fifth gospel. We see him opening up again in Acts chapter 1. Read with me, verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his passion, King James, suffering new King James, by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, his own power, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand the work of the Holy Spirit in our life the relationship that we're to have, and all that he's doing to wash us and cleanse us, to sanctify us for your glory, for use in your kingdom for such a time as this. Wake us up, Lord, that we would not be a people that would have a form of godliness, but would deny the power thereof. Pour out your spirit now and teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let me remind you, as we're in the book of Acts, it says in your Bible, Acts. But let me remind you, the original title of the book of Acts is the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. 
But down the corridor of time, we've removed the Holy Spirit from the Acts of the Apostles. And it clearly, in its title, referred to the fact that the Holy Spirit would lead the apostles and everything that they did. They weren't doing it on their own. They weren't doing it out of their own intellect or their own abilities. It was supernatural. And everything that you and I do now as a people that are, that are God's children, if we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. And when we are saved, what does the Holy Spirit do? It's Ephesians 1.13. Let me read it to you. Ephesians 1.13, let's look at the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. You can turn there if you'd like, Ephesians 1.13. I'm going to go pretty quick because we have a lot of material to cover. Sometimes it's good to learn to turn there or you can write down the scriptures and look at them later. Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, modern day Turkey, and 1.13 says, "...in Christ you also trusted." After you heard, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. After you heard the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So the first thing that we see is that the Holy Spirit seals us, right? When we believe, he comes in and seals us. It's like a down payment. It's earnest money. We've talked about this before. You want to buy a house, you have to give them a check. You have to put some money down. And you say, I'm going to go get more. So now the Holy Spirit comes in and seals us until the day of the purchase possession. But there's more work to be done. And that's what is going to be talked about here in Acts 1.8. See, because you go, yeah, but there's no means in me to do the work that I need to do, to, to be the person I need to be. And then we start faking it till we make it. We start trying to do it in our own strength. We start coming up with programs and plans and all of these things that we think will make us saved when, in fact, there's nothing you can do to be saved. There's nothing you can do but surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit. God is all-powerful. He is mighty. He's capable of doing the work in you, but you have to surrender and come to Him, and you have to continue to agree with Him. Remember, that's what the word confess means, to agree with God. So as He continues to reveal things in your life, you continue to agree, and you continue to be led by the work of the Holy Spirit. Why? Romans 8, 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons, patriarchal, these are the children of God. The word can be translated children just as easily. So we want to understand that we become children in God's house, and the steward of His house is the Holy Spirit. The Savior of His house is Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit takes everything that belongs to Jesus and points to Jesus. He's going he's gonna, to, in, in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, in the tabernacle, you have the, the candlestick. And the candlestick was beating, it's a picture of Christ, it was beaten out of one piece of gold. Gold is deity. It was beaten, but never broken. And then they put oil in it. The oil is the Holy Spirit. And then they lit it, and it was never supposed to go out, always burning bright so you could see that it would extinguish the darkness. But listen, the Holy Spirit was not there. The light was not there so you wouldn't bump into the wall. The light was there so you could see the beauty of the candlestick. 
See, the Holy Spirit's here today so you can see the beauty of salvation, the beauty of, of Jesus Christ, the beauty of who we want to be like. And then he seals you with the Spirit, but he wants to not just seal you, he wants to fill you. We're supposed to always be on the grow. We're growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It can only be done with spiritual eyes that reveal spiritual truth, and you agree to that truth and begin to obey it. Jesus says in Matthew 7, Not all who call me Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God, but those who do the will of my Father in heaven. So your heart needs to be turned toward the work of God. What is your will, Lord? I want to know what your will is. I want to understand your will. I want to be in the center of your will, not out here skirting around doing what I want to do. I want to know why you called me. I want to know why you saved me. I want to know why you're going to glorify me one day and that you would forgive me with such great love and mercy. So as we get to this chapter, chapter 1, Acts We always want to remember it's the work of the Holy Spirit through the apostle. It wasn't Peter. Peter denied Christ three times in his own flesh. He ran from them. He denied them. He cursed. But then after the Holy Spirit comes upon him in Acts chapter 2, we're going to see, what does he do? He stands up in their faces. The same people he ran from lied to, cursed at. And he gave a complete dissertation of the historicity of Israel and why Jesus was crucified. And you crucified the Lord of glory. And then 3,000 people get saved with the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do anything in the flesh. There's nothing good that lives in the flesh. If you live in the flesh, you will die. Now, do we carry this body of sin around? Yes. But if you let it control your life, you will die. The flesh inherits nothing but what Adam got us with. That was death. The wages of sin is death. The wages of the flesh is death. The wages of the carnality of life, your sin nature, that's why you must be born again. If a man is not born again, if a woman is not born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. John chapter 3 with Jesus talking to Nikki. You must be born again. Born once, you're going to die twice. Born twice, you only die once in this physical body. Born of water, your mother, Mother's Day, and that's it. You're going to die a physical death and then a spiritual death for eternity in hell. If you're born of water and then you believe in the blood of Jesus, you're born a second time by believing, by trust alone in everything that Jesus did. And if you're born that second time, you're only going to die once in the physical flesh and you will be with God forever for eternity. We have to understand what the Spirit would say to the church. This is, today's day is that we're doing everything with businesses and budgets and buildings and not by what the Spirit of God would call us to do. Someone has said, if you would have took the Holy Spirit out of the Acts church... Only 5% of what they would have done would have continued. But if you took the Holy Spirit out of today's church, 95% of what we're doing would just go on as normal. Think about that because the great snatching away is getting ready to happen. That which restrains is getting ready to be taken out. Is the church going to go on like normal? Are they still going to have church when the rapture happens? Because the Holy Spirit isn't in the church. And yet, When you believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit says He comes and lives in you. 
Let me digress just for a moment. And we'll, begin, we'll t- cover these first seven verses, and then we'll look at verse 8, which is where I want to get at anyway. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former account, being the book of Luke, I made, O Theophilus. Theophilus means lover of God. Down the corridor of time, he is writing to you if you love God. Of all that Jesus began to do, he did it first, and then he began to teach it. Because of his actions, he was able to teach it. Until the day in which he was taken up, now this is after his resurrection, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles, he gave them a charge to go and make disciples, whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive. Remember the road to Emmaus, we just covered these things. For Resurrection Sunday. Remember, he presented himself. He said, here, touch, Thomas, my hands, my side. Here, give me a piece of that fish and some of that bread. And he's ate with them. He's had fellowship with them. He presented himself alive from the grave after his passion, his suffering, his death, burial, and resurrection by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days. Listen, not only did he, did he uh, uh, judge sin and death and got up, but then he spent 40 days, which is the number of judgment, in front of them, giving them a perfect amount of time to say, wow, he's alive. And they could judge that he was alive. 40 is the number of judgment. And what was he doing the whole time? Was he talking about Peter and Peter's face and Peter lying? Was he talking about all the things that they had done, how they ran and they hid behind doors, how they went back fishing and backslid? No. No, his face was still doing exactly what he had always done. He was speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. When you open your mouth, what are you speaking about? The Holy Spirit will have you talking about the kingdom of God when you actually see it with your heart. The kingdom of God will be on your lips. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Now listen, Jerusalem means teaching peace. Do not depart from teaching peace. Listen, that's all that this is about. We were enemies with God, and Jesus came and took our curse. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And then he said, go and make disciples and teach them. Well, how do you teach them? You teach them that you can be at peace with God through the blood of Jesus. But wait for the promise. Do not depart from Jerusalem But wait. Man, isn't waiting hard? But I want to go do something, Greg. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Strength is power. That's what we're going to talk about. But wait for what? The promise of the Father. The Father promised us something else. Listen, the Father has given us his Son, The greatest gift ever given, and so many reject it, ignore it. The promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. 
Jesus has been talking to him about it. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, it's interesting. Baptism, baptizo, baptizo means to be whelmed or fully submerged. I'm not going to argue with you about it. That's just what the word means. It means to be fully overwhelmed, fully immersed. Now, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, and he baptized with water. But Jesus is talking about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Bear in mind, they're already sealed with the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. They're already sealed. And John, look at John 20, 21. This is John's version. John 20, 21 is John's version of the Great Commission. Just as Matthew said, go and make, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's what Matthew said. Listen to what John said when he wrote some 35 years later, after Jesus resurrected, John 20, 21, he said, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you, As the Father has sent me, he sent him in his name, his authority, his character, I also send you. This is his great commission right here. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Listen, this is before Acts chapter 2. You've got to get this. Now he's telling them to wait. They've already received the Holy Spirit. They've already been sealed with the Holy Spirit. They already believe Jesus is the Messiah. And by the way, that's the same word that in the Septuagint. What's the Septuagint, Greg? Sorry to be so clear. But the Septuagint is when the the Jews translated the Hebrew Scriptures into the Koinonia Greek so everybody could read it. And when they translated the Hebrew word in Genesis 1, when God breathed air, breathed life into Adam, same word. The only other place it's used, when he breathes into the nostrils and gives life. Now, when you, you were dead when you were born, everybody's born dead because of Adam. We inherited death because the wages of sin is death. But when you believe in Jesus, he breathes in your nostrils again and gives you life. And now you can begin to use that life for him, or you can ignore it. These are all, in Acts chapter 1, they've already been breathed upon, and they're already sealed, and he's still telling them to go and wait for the promise. Oh, there's another promise other than salvation? Yes. Baptism in the Bible is identification. There's a bunch of baptisms. You can go all over the place. You're going to find a bunch of them. Started back with Moses. What happened to the children of Israel? They were baptized into Moses when they followed him through the Red Sea. They didn't even get wet, but the water was upon them, completely over them, the walls beside them. But they went through the water, and it identified them with what Moses was doing. What was Moses? Moses means one drawn out. They came out and they followed. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. When he seals you, you're identified as one that's coming out of the world. And now God has to take the world out of you, wash and cleanse you. He has to sanctify you and prepare you to be used by him. So you have to wait for him sometimes. And waiting is hard. 
So that's what he wants us to know right now that we're waiting. So this baptism, though, is with the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I call it the threefold ministry of the Holy Spirit. I might use the word filled. I might use the word baptism. I might use the word uh, upon, because that's what the Greek word is, is epi, upon. The Holy Spirit has more to do in our life than just to seal us. I said a prayer. That's the starting line. There's three parts of a race. There's the starting line, there's the body of the race, and then there's the finish line. And we have to run the whole race with endurance, and we have to run it to the end, and then we cross it and we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Listen, none of us are faithful, but the Holy Spirit has fruit, and one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is faithfulness. What is the Holy Spirit? He's God himself. He's a person. He's God that comes and lives in your heart. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. God is love. And it looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. That's the only way you're going to get it. Nothing in our flesh is going to be faithful to God. Nothing on our flesh. Listen, you might think, oh, well, before I knew God, I was pretty faithful in doing. You weren't faithful. You made up your own little characterization of what faithfulness looked like, and you said, that's me. I'm perfectly faithful, no matter what you thought you were doing. The flesh cannot be faithful. The flesh cannot be good. The flesh is evil. Nothing good dwells in the flesh because of Adam and the rebellion against God. But now, because of Jesus, the second Adam, we can have the Spirit when we believe in His finished works on the cross. And He tells them to go and wait in Jerusalem. And they shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Actually, about ten days. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked Him, they interrupt Him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They had been taught falsely that one day the Messiah would come and He would set all roads up. They would look like the days when Solomon was on the throne. Falsely taught. And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But if you want to know about power, see, they're looking to rule and reign. They're looking to make a name for themselves. They even come to him at one time and said, can I sit on the right hand and, you sit, and my brother sit on the left? We're always looking to raise ourselves up instead of humble ourselves. We're looking to be somebody instead of make him somebody. He's the famous one. He is the one that needs to be lifted higher and higher. He's the one that died for us all. But he says, if you want power, this is what we want to look at. Acts 1.8. 8 is the number of new beginnings. But, contrast to what they want, humble yourself, be still for a minute, let me teach you something, Jesus would say. You shall receive, it's a gift, it can be given to you, power, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, same as baptism, that they're waiting for the promise, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, Jerusalem was the place of the king. Jerusalem is the capital city. Jerusalem is where they're at. Judea was the region they were in. Samaria is half-breeds, or to the unlovable, and on to the rest of the earth. That means for everybody. But power is the word deutimus. Deutimus. It's where we get the word dynamite or dynamic. 
You shall receive power. You can see it. You can see power. You can see authority. God has given us his authority to go and tell others about him. Well, why would he do that? Because he died to save the world, and he doesn't want to waste his blood. And that's his, that's his number one concern, is that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. Repentance. First word of the gospel. You have to turn around and go the other way. You have to change your mind, because we are wrong, and we must agree with God and his word. Because he's never wrong. So repentance, metanoia, means to turn around and go the other way. You cannot do that on your own. You can only do that when you ask the Holy Spirit to help you change your mind. Power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Epi, upon. Let me show you first, though. We're going to come back. Let me just put a little asterisk there for a minute. And let's go to John 14. John 14, 15. John 14, last night of Jesus' life, physically, as a man, before he goes to the cross. He's in the upper room. Supper, if you read it in the Gospels, has just been ended. He just instituted um, communion. Judas has just went out. It's dark in Judas' life. He ends up going and hanging himself and killing himself because he rejected the light of the world. But they're in the upper room. And Jesus is speaking to them, and this is what he would say to them who are listening. If you love me, keep my commandments. Oh, I love Jesus. I love God. Do you have anything in you that wants to keep his commandments? No. Well, then ask the Holy Spirit to give you a desire to keep his commandments. Because that's why, that's why you're having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. There's nothing in your flesh that wants to obey God. You know what you'll do? You'll go, uh, if I'm going to obey God in my flesh, I will say, I'm obeying God. I'll make up my own standards, my own religion, my own way. And that's why we have all these other little places around here that have nothing to do with the Spirit of God and the salvation of God. But we have churches everywhere that are playing religion. And they make up their dress codes. They make up all of these little things they have to do. Their own little rules, their own little bylaws. They have their own little... You join our church and you can become a member if you do this and this and this and thus and they may not be evil but their religion has nothing to do with believing that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead and then being sealed by the Holy Spirit if you love me keep my commandments guard them watch them preserve them What will you do, Lord, if I love you and I keep your commandments? If I ask for a desire, if I begin to draw near, what will you do? Look at verse 16. I will pray the Father. This is what he's telling them as he's looking at them. I will pray the Father, and he, the Father, will give you another comforter, a helper, a servant. Remember remember Genesis 24, as you're listening to all of this. The father sent his head servant to get a bride for his son that he may abide with you forever. And then he tells you who it is. Verse 17, the spirit of truth. Who is truth? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The spirit of Jesus is the spirit of truth. It's God, very God, that comes and lives in your heart. I will pray the father. 
And he will give you the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. If you want to live in the world, you can't receive the spirit. You have to turn from the world, repent, admit you're wrong, admit that you need a savior, admit that you're a sinner, admit that you've broken the Ten Commandments, admit that you are an enemy of God and you were born dead. You have to admit these things. The world can't receive them. If you want to be in the world, you can't receive. And it's spiritual eyes that help you understand the Bible. It's spiritual eyes that understand a spiritual God. It's spiritual eyes that help you to see what others cannot see because they won't surrender to God and draw near to God and allow the Holy Spirit of God, the teacher, the guide, the one who seals you and leads you out. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Who's leading your life today? What's deciding what you do today? The spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you fatherless. I will come to you. Now listen to me. He says, I will come to you. He's talking about sending the Holy Spirit, but it's him. It's a self-same him. Not another like there's another, like you have a Mercedes and a Pinto. That's not a, that, those cars, don't, don't, they don't line up. It's the exact same spirit, except when Jesus was with them in bodily form, he wasn't able to be in the hearts of everybody. Now he could have, he's God. That wasn't his plan. I'm just saying but now that he goes back to spirit, he can live in each heart that believes in him. He can walk like he did on the road to Emmaus. He can walk like he did in the garden with Adam and Eve. He can be in fellowship with you. You can have a meal with him. You can say, thanks a lot, Lord. You can ask the Holy Spirit to, to teach you, to guide you, to lead you, to be your strength. Now, with is para. I will be with you, para. It's parakletos. Para is one who comes alongside to help. That's what Eleazar in Genesis 24's name meant, one who comes alongside to help. He was the head servant of Abraham's house, and he was the servant that helped Abraham get a bride, Rebekah, the church, from his homeland. See, you can't be prepared as the church unless you're looking to the Spirit of God, unless you understand that you're a citizen of heavenly places, a citizen of God's kingdom, and you're looking heavenward to get your supplies to be adorned as the bride. You have to be looking heavenward. You cannot look anywhere down here and find anything that lines up with God. You have to look into the Word of God, into the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus is speaking always about the kingdom of God. This world is broken. It's under sin. It's groaning for redemption. When you look to it, you see a fallen creation. When you look to heaven, you see a perfect creator. And he sent a savior. And he said, I'll send you the Holy Spirit back to be with you. Paracletus, one who comes alongside to help. Paralegal. Anybody know what a paralegal is? It's somebody that can come alongside to help a lawyer, but he can't practice law in the courtroom. See, the Holy Spirit, if I choose, can come alongside and help me become like Christ, but he can't do it for me. I have to be willing 
not forced, willing to voluntarily surrender my life as a vessel that can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he can transform my mind. He can renew my mind. He can make me just like Christ if I surrender. Paralegal comes alongside the help, not allowed to go and argue for you. Even though this word means he's an intercessor, he is crying out to the Father to help us, but he can't live your salvation for you. He can only aid you and help you and serve you as you allow him to do. He says, I'll be alongside. And it's the same thing that he already is anyway in the world. If you look in John 16, the Holy Spirit comes to do what? To convict the world of sin. We're all sinners. Every one of us are in the same place. There is no other place to put anybody. Everybody ever born of woman other than Jesus Christ was born under sin with a sin nature and didn't even know it. Headed for hell, hell bound, and then God come and knocks on your door, the Father, and says, hey, my son Jesus died for you. And no one comes to the Father except through the Son, but no one can be drawn to the, to the, Father unless, or to the Son unless the Father reveals it. Well, how does he reveal it? Through his Holy Spirit who convicts the world of sin and that there's sin. This is missing the mark, but there's also righteousness, my son. And there's going to be a judgment one day. And which one would you rather have? Would you rather have the first Adam or the second Adam? Do you want to be judged for your sin or do you want to choose Jesus who paid for your sin? He hung on the cross and said, to tell us die. It is, it is finished. It's paid in full. All of your sin debt taken upon Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Deliverance from the sin nature. As soon as you learn it and you begin to profess it and confess it and agree with it, you'll be delivered from your old mind into a new mind and a new life. With Christ, So he comes alongside Paracletus to help. And then when you believe the testimony, it says he will be in you. E-N, the Greek preposition E-N. He comes and seals you. I read it to you a while ago in Ephesians 1.13. And then the third part of that, oh, it's pretty amazing. Read, that, read the rest of that chapter. I'm not going to. 14.23 is amazing, though. That he says, again, if you love me, and keep my commandments, then my Father will love you, and we will come to you and make our home with you. We will abide with you. So as you continue to grow, he continues to come and abides with you. So let's look back at Acts 1.8, because that's really where we want to be. He comes alongside. He convicts. You guys have all already received him. I pray. You've believed that message. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If not, today is the day for salvation. All you have to do is say, Lord, I want some of that. Lord, I believe in your son, Jesus. I don't believe in altar calls. I don't see him in the Bible. What I do see is people asking for the Holy Spirit. Look at, uh, you know what? Let me just read Luke eleven thirteen to you. Luke eleven thirteen says this specifically. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Have you asked Him for the Holy Spirit? See, altar calls have done more to bring false converts than anything else in the church, probably. But it's this simple. Ask Him for the Holy Spirit. It's the promise that He's promised you. 
He will seal you. You become his child. Now you have a tutor that lives inside you that can lead you. God himself, the one who created you. He knows what you're supposed to be doing, what you're supposed to look like, how you're supposed to live. He knows you better than your wife does, better than your husband does, better than anyone else. And he can convict you. And then he can give you the power to turn from it. And he can renew you and restore you and keep burning away. He's a consuming fire. He burns away the dross and the flesh until he sees you as his son, which is where we're seated positionally already anyway. It's a finished deal, but we have to walk through this race practically and be sanctified, set apart for the master's use. So back in Acts 1.8, he says, listen, don't listen to false teachers. Don't be running around doing crazy stuff. Go wait. Don't worry about times and dates. But this is what you should receive. It's a gift, power, dudamus. Listen to me. Dudamus. Dudamus. There's a dynamic in the life of a true believer that you should be able to see by how they live and act what they do, what they're interested in. When, when are you going to receive dudamus? When am I going to receive some power? I want some power. Be careful. You don't want power for the wrong reason. We're going to talk about that in a minute with Simon the sorcerer. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, this is the third part of the threefold ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's alongside you. You agree with his testimony. He comes in you. He seals you. But now he can come upon you. Now, that happens sometimes at salvation with people. It can happen at salvation, but it can also happen later. God is different in different lives, the way that he's dealing with them, the way that he's burning out the dross. You might not be ready for that. He might instantly. I know with Paul, we're going to see him on the road to Damascus, chapter 9 of Acts. He gets up and instantly is speaking all about Jesus from the Old Testament. Baptized with the Holy Spirit instantly. Well, why would I need power? Why would he come upon me? Now I can go out and be a rock star. I can go out and be great. I can go out and run a business. I can go out. No, 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 no. Listen, what's it say in the text? And you shall be my witnesses. Greek word martyr. What's martyr mean, Greg? It means one who dies for their faith. It's martus, martus. It's one who dies for their faith. Witnesses. What does a witness do? Bears evidence, gives testimony, points to another. You swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth to help you, God? I do. In this grand courtroom, I was once blind, now I see. I was dead, but now I live. All because of Jesus, because of the blood. You want proof? The resurrection. He got up. God accepted his payment for my sin. And you go out and give witness. We're at in Jerusalem, wherever you live at. That's the first place you're home. And then we're to Judea. That's your surrounding area. That'd be your city. Samaria, that may be your state. To the end of the earth, wherever you're at, you bear witness. And it's all by the power of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely no way to serve God, to live for God, to have the power of God, to be a witness for God without the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it in the flesh. 
I got saved. Look what I'm doing. No. No. I got saved and I'm pointing to Jesus. It humbles you more and more every day. Oh, I understand it all. No, you don't. You think you do right now. But as you grow in grace, you'll see how much you don't know. It's amazing. Grace. And of course, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Listen, we get all the riches at Christ's expense. He makes us joint heirs with him. Joint heirs. And listen, this is not a choice. It's not a choice. He told him to wait. Now look, let me show you that it's not a choice. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. I know we're going all over the place. Greg, you're everywhere. Well, I'm trying to show you that the Bible testifies of the Bible. That the Bible is saying the same thing everywhere. It's not nothing new. If it's new, it's not from God. If it's God, He's the Ancient of Days. He hasn't changed what He's been saying. Chapter 5, He actually says, it's 514, Therefore He says, Awake, arise from your sleep, arise from the dead. We were born dead, and Christ will give you light. Verse 15, See then, what happens with that light? What do I do when I get light? See then that you walk circumspectly. Not as a fool, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. How in the world can I walk circumspectly? That means diligently. How can I do that, Greg? Well, look what he says. Therefore, 17, therefore, do not be unwise. Don't be a fool, but understand the will of the Lord, what the will of the Lord is. What's the will of the Lord? Do not be drunk with wine which is dissipation, which is unsavedness is what the word means. It means unsavedness. If you're still being intoxicated with the things of this world, you're living like an unsaved person in unsavedness. But do what? Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Being thankful. Look at that. Being thankful. Always for all things to God the Father in the name, the character, nature, and authority of the Lord. And then he says, well, what happens after that? Then you got to learn to hupotasso, submit to one another in the fear of God. Well, what does that look like? Well, first of all, it looks like wives submitting to their husbands. And then husbands, when they're submitting to the, their wives, you know what they do? They love because God is love. And then he gives us a picture of the church. But the Holy Spirit has to be on the throne. The Holy Spirit has to be the one you're talking to, being led by, or there's no way to do it in the flesh. But it's, it's a commandment. It's a commandment. Look at this. He says, be always be being filled. That's what the Greek actually says. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then use it for speaking to one another and ministering. But in the Greek, it actually says, be, always be, being filled. It's something that you're always needing to do, is be being filled. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. Because this is where it's at. Remember, he breathed on them. And now in Acts chapter 2, we're going to see the birth of the church. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. They waited. They're all with one accord. Let's look. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. I didn't know they created accords until like 2012. 
Oh, never mind. They weren't carpooling. In one place, there was unity. There was oneness of mind, oneness of spirit, oneness of purpose. They were all waiting for the same thing. What? The promise of the Father. What are you waiting for in life? Have you set your sight on the vacation? Have you set your sight on a new house? Have you set your sight on some other relationship? What are you waiting for? See, the church is waiting for Jesus to Christ to return. That's the mind that we should be living in always because it's purifying. This text says when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Penta is 50. Penta is one of, Pentecost is one of the festivals that all adult males had to celebrate every year. You can read about it in Deuteronomy 16. I think that's right. Deuteronomy 16, 1 through 17, I believe, outlines all three of them. Looking for notes. Help me with notes. Can't remember all that stuff. So there's three festivals. What was the first one? Feast of Unleavened Bread. Think about this because Jesus fulfills every one of them. The first one had became known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We just called it Passover, right? But it's called Feast of Unleavened Bread. It was kind of swallowed up with that. But Feast of Unleavened Bread was about getting all the evil influence out of your house. Well, what's that mean, Greg? Well, you have a spiritual house and you want to get the evil influence out. And the only way to do it is to receive the Passover lamb, Jesus the Christ. And then when the Holy Spirit seals you, he begins to wash you and cleanse you and he'll remove the leaven, the influence of evil from your heart, from your house and make you like Jesus the Christ. The second one was Pentecost, which is really the end gathering. You were to count seven weeks from Passover from the end of unleavened bread, and then one more day would be Pentecost, 50. 40 days judgment, 10 days later, Pentecost. And that was the beginning of the ingathering of the church. The church is birthed in Acts chapter 2. Why? Jesus is the first fruit from the dead. And now, with the birth of the church, the rest of the dead can begin to rise and be gathered into God's house. Well, how are they done that? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. You show yourself as evidence to be a child of God, part of the Feast of Pentecost. Notice it says, when fully come. Be really careful. That's the same word for field. Pleruo. Except it's got a little S-Y-M on the front of it. I'm not a Greek scholar. I'm just telling you what it shows in my little blue-letter Bible. But listen, it's, it means to be fully completed remember they celebrated it all these years right and they celebrated it as a festival they did all of this work they would travel all the way to jerusalem but now it's been fully fulfilled in christ he becomes the one who is gathering he is the feast of in gathering he is the feast of harvest he is what they were celebrating about and the third one is going to be the feast of tabernacles it's at the end of the harvest. What do they celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles about? For They remember for a whole week, they go out and they celebrate. These are holy days. These are celebrations. They go out and they camp out. And they make little huts. Jews still do it today. And they look up through the, the things and they go, wow. And then the dad is supposed to tell the children, why are we doing this? Because we remember that God delivered us out of Egypt, into the wilderness, and we slept in, 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 in these tents, and, and we didn't have a home. And you and I are supposed to be telling our children that this is not our home. 
One day soon we'll celebrate what? The Feast of Tabernacles completely. Jesus fulfilled it, but when we get our mansion in heaven, we'll have our permanent home. These are earthly tents for camping out. These are only to camp out here. They're not meant to last. They're supposed to wear out. We have a mansion in heaven. We have a a, a permanent body in a twinkling of an eye. The Bible says a twinkling of an eye. This corrupted body will put on incorruptible and we'll meet the Lord in the air and thus we'll be with him always. And we are to encourage one another with this. So look, the day, it's fully come now. Not, not just celebrating some uh, feast that looked forward to Jesus, but now it's fully come. It's fulfilled completely. It's accomplished. They were all with one accord in one place, Acts 2.2. And suddenly, what happened, Greg? Came a sound from heaven. Notice we're told specifically where it is from. The throne room of God, from heaven. And it was as of. Anytime the Bible says as of, now you know that it really wasn't. It's a type. It's given you a picture of. And it was as of a Russian mighty wind. In other words, there was this Russian, it means like a tornado. Russian, you can hear it. You're like, what is going on? There's some dynamic in the life of a believer that's filled with the Holy Spirit that you can hear there's something. This Russian mighty wind, but nothing's moving. Tree branches are still. Just like when Jesus said, peace be still to the water, and it didn't move. But you can hear this sound like something is different, and everybody is drawn to it. Russian mighty wind, but nothing moved. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Listen to me. Has your house been filled? Where are you sitting at today? You're sitting in the seat of a scorner, a scoffer? You're sitting in the seat of God. You, 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 we're joint heirs with him. We're seated in heavenly places with him. If you're seated with God, you need to be led by the Spirit of God. Your spiritual house, where are you seated at? Because those that are seated with God are to be filled with the Holy Spirit of promise. Then there appeared to them divided tongues, cloven, King James, glossé, tongues, as of fire. Notice it's as of again. It wasn't fire. Just like on the burning bush when Moses met God. And, and there was fire on it, but it wasn't consumed. See, God's a consuming fire, and He wants to burn out the dross in our life. And if we let Him today, He won't consume us in hellfire later. And one set upon each. Notice this identity. Each. Notice it's personal wasn't one big tongue in the whole room each one god has a personal relationship with each of us it wasn't fire it just it resembled fire they could see it listen you can hear it and you can see it when somebody's filled with the holy spirit you can hear it and see it when somebody is after the things of god it's not life is normal and if you don't have that you need to ask god for that you need to ask him to baptize you to fill you to give you a desire to go after what he's doing souls the only ministry the church has is the ministry of reconciliation of souls now it looks differently in each life but it's about professing truth because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god people are not getting saved any other way but through the word of god and the living word of god died for them so there they are and set upon each of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak with other tongues 
as the Spirit gave them utterance. The, the Spirit of God gives gift to men still today. We're going to cover that next week in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. If you want to be there, you can read ahead. We're going to be covering that text. He gave them utterance. And then he goes on to testify. We're not going to read it. I have some other stuff I need to testify to you. But he goes on to tell us that they all heard him speak in their own dialects. See, the tongue here is glossy. He gave them glossy, their tongue. But then when they all heard it, it was in their dialects. And you have men from Galilee, the heathen circle. They're not educated. Nothing good comes out of that area. But yet now the Holy Spirit opened their mouth so that they could speak to everybody in their own language and they would understand the gospel. Nobody has an excuse. The gospel clearly reaches man's conscience, woman's conscience, and now they have to decide that they're either going to cover it up, Romans chapter 1, and, and, and get rid of it and say no to God and be a fool, or they have to receive it, one or the other. That's why we speak the truth in love, because then the person has to decide whether they're going to follow God or ignore God. So anyway, uh, with all of it going on, we're seeing all the wonderful works of God, and then people come and mock them and say that they're drunk. They're full of new wine. That's why Ephesians 1, or excuse me, uh, Ephesians 5 had so much importance. They're accusing them of being drunk. They're accusing them of drinking new wine at nine in the morning. And he says, do not be drunk with wine, which is excess, which dissipates, which is unsaveness. But be always be being filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always to God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, submitting to one another. In the fear of God. Listen. So they, and then Peter stands up and gives them, says, men and brethren, it's verse 14. Peter standing up with the 11. Remember, he was afraid. He's lying. He's, he's, he's ignoring uh, uh, that he even knew Jesus. Raised his voice and said to them, men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And so he goes straight to Scripture. I'm not going to go through that. We can go through that. You can get the tapes of when I taught the book of Acts. But he points to Scripture. Scripture should always be able to verify what we do, how we live, what the Spirit is doing. If Scripture can't verify it, it's not from God. Because God's not doing anything new. He's saving souls. He's, he's spoken the last that he needs to speak when he said it is finished. Now we just need to proclaim it. And he gives us power to go out and be witnesses. He gives us power to proclaim it. Now let's just do a little bit of Bible thumping here. Let's go through the book of Acts. I want you to see this dynamic because it's the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. And everywhere you look, now that I've told you about the word fill and filled and fully, you'll see that it's about the Holy Spirit doing the work of the ministry when we surrender and allow it. All we have to do is show up. Just show up. Now listen, because there are those people that will say, oh no, you just get the Spirit and you got the Spirit and you have the Spirit. Really? Then why we don't... Watch, watch the scriptures here. 
Chapter 3, Peter and John, hour of prayer. Find a, they're going to the temple, hour of prayer. And they see a lame man there that was born lame. And he's been there since birth. He was even laying there at that door when Jesus walked by. And he's begging alms. And Peter gets his gaze upon him and he looks at him. He said, look at me. And he looks at him and he says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And the man at that very instant stood up and walked. Listen to me, this is serious because even if we healed somebody, if somebody was healed of being crippled and lame from birth, they would have to go through therapy and therapy and and months of developing muscle. But with Jesus, it's immediate. And he's leaping around. He's hanging on them. He don't want them to get away because they healed him. And what happens next, Greg? Well, the Sadducees come, and they're kind of mad that all this attention and this roar is going on, and they have them arrested for doing a good deed. They have them arrested for healing the man because of what Peter says to him. Peter says, you crucified the Lord of glory. So they have them arrested. Then what happens, Greg? Keep moving. It's in 4-7. And when they had set them in the midst, they put them in jail overnight. They bring them out, even the man that was healed. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power and by what name? What authority have you done this? And they're pointing at the guy. Have you done this? By what name? What power? Remember, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then Peter said, I'm a Christian. Then Peter said, rulers of the people. Anybody watching in your Bible? It's it's verse 8, the number of new beginnings. Notice what it says. The Holy Spirit doesn't play with words. It's in the text on purpose because then you know exactly why Peter was able to. You know exactly how Peter was able to. It says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit clearly tells us the reason he was able to heal him, the reason he was able to speak up in front of him is that Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, what's your point, Greg? Well, if he was just a Christian, why would the Holy Spirit need to point out the fact that he was filled with the Holy Spirit? Why would he need to point that out? If we're just talking about a bunch of Christians doing some stuff and everybody has the Spirit and everybody's sealed and everybody's fine and there's no subsequent power that can be available. Why would they be waiting? Listen to me. The Holy Spirit clearly tells us that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's how he was able to say, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has, made, has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him the man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which the builders rejected, which has become the chief cornerstone. That's actually a verse that they were quoted by Jesus before they crucified him. When they were investigating whether he was the Lamb of God. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given by which men must be saved. Must be saved. You must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And then look what it says in 13. I love this. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, 
came from. There's a dynamic in the filling of the Holy Spirit and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled. You want to you look at Marvel heroes? You want to look at Marvel? That's what all that's about. These superheroes is about deceiving children into what, not believing in God. They marvel over everything except for the miraculous power of God. They're uneducated, untrained men, and they marveled. And what did they realize? And they realized their co-perception that they had been with Jesus. Who you been hanging out with? They realized they'd been with Jesus. That's where the power comes from. So they threaten them. They say, don't speak in his name anymore. You're determined to put this upon us. Don't speak in his name anymore. And they said to him, you decide. Should we follow God or you? And so when they had threatened them some more, they released them. And look what it says. 423. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported to the, all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. So they're given testimony. So when they heard that, what did they do? They went and hid. No, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them. They give him his praise, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Listen to me. That's Psalms 2. They are quoting that. In that day, they knew that the government and the ruling authorities were all against God because of the sway of the wicked one. And they were quoting it as why they were being attacked because the, the devil wants to set up his government. The same thing that's going on in the world right now was going on then. There's nothing new under the sun. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, who you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, that's the government of the day, with the Gentiles, that's them, and the people and of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now look on their threats and grant your servants um, that they would have a place to hide. No, that they would speak more boldly in your name. Stretch out your hand to heal and do signs and wonders through your name and through Jesus' name. And then 31, 431, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Look, they had to be filled again. Listen, it's all through the book of Acts. The acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Apostle means one sent forth. We've been sent forth to go and make disciples. And the only way to do any of the work of God is by the power of God, the Holy Spirit that can come upon you. But listen, you can grieve the Spirit. You can quench the Spirit. You can insult the Spirit. You can lie to the Spirit. You can keep the Spirit from working in your life if you keep going in the other direction. If you keep resisting him, the same way the nation of Israel did when Stephen actually says in 755 of this text, you stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart, you always resist the Holy Spirit. And then what happened, Greg? As they stoned him, they laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Later, Paul writes most of this that we're reading. As they stoned him, Stephen, being filled with the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. 
and said, receive my spirit. The same way Jesus did on the cross. Listen, everywhere you look, the Holy Spirit testifies that it was because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you some text here. Uh, Chapter 6, Acts chapter 6. Now in those days, there raised a dispute between the Hellenistic Jews. That's the Greek-speaking Jews. That their widows were not getting any food. So there's some, some people that are running a food bank. They're feeding the people. And, and, and the Hellenistic Jews, the widows, are saying, we don't get enough. Time we get there, everything's gone. So the boys go, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're supposed to be teaching the Word of God, preaching the Word of God. It's not advantageous for us to come over here and wait on tables and make sure everybody's getting their fair amount of, of, of watermelon. So you find seven men, listen to me, these are the first deacons, seven men who are Christians. Listen, they're talking about Christians. They don't just say find seven guys. But what do they say? Of good reputation. Pleruo. Pleruo. This is is all the same stuff. It doesn't change. They use the same criteria. Let me find my notes, and I'll tell you exactly what word it is. Seven men of good reputation, that doesn't mean good reputation in the community of the world, although we're supposed to have a good reputation. It's, it's listen, it's martyro, martyro. Remember, you shall be witnesses, martus. It's another word that's martyro. That means they've already been doing that. They've already been being a witness. Their good reputation is, is that they're proclaiming the word of God. Well, how are they doing that? They're full of the Holy Spirit. Look, I'm in 6.3. This is the characteristics, and this is what they were looking for, for criteria for people who would wipe off tables and hand out food in the church. Not anybody that says they're a Christian, but they were already a martyr. They were already a witness. They were full of, plereo, the Holy Spirit, and then wisdom. Where do you get wisdom? From the Holy Spirit. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That was the criteria to work in the food bank. And yet today, if you just show up, we'll put you to work. We'll put you to work. Then Stephen, he was one of them. And he gives, chapter 7, he gives the dissertation. He calls them stiff-necked. They stone him to death. We can keep going and going and going. Chapter 8, because of Stephen being persecuted, chapter 8, Philip goes down to Samaria. And down in Samaria, Simon the sorcerer gets saved. This guy's a guy that's been doing crafts and acting like he knew something. And he gets saved. He believes in Jesus. Go read the text. And, and what happened next, Greg? Well, they had to send Peter and John down there to confirm that people were getting saved. Because they believed salvation was for the Jew first and then to the Greek. Well, here's these half-breeds getting saved. You watch it in the book of Acts. First the Jews, it's all Jews. Then it goes to Samaria. And then in chapter 10, where does it go? To Cornelius, to Gentiles completely. But in every one of the texts... They're filled with the Holy Spirit. You can see it. There's a dynamic. Simon the sorcerer in chapter 8 says, when he sees Peter and John lay hands on him and they receive the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in tongues, he sees something. He says, I'll give you money if you give me this power. And he says, your money perished with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God. Listen to me. Watch why you want power. 
Watch why you would ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you and fill you. Because God is using it to save souls. God is using it to glorify himself. It's not so you can now become somebody that's renowned again like you were when you was a sorcerer. And guess what? We were all sorcerers. If you don't know Jesus, you're still a sorcerer. Rebellion is, is a sin of witchcraft. And we're all contending and striving and rebelling against God. And what he's doing, he's trying to save us. It's witchcraft. It's not just I'm living my life. I'm not ready for God. It's witchcraft. It's that simple. That's what the Bible is. There's only two places. And then verse, or chapter 9 Paul, still breathing threats, Paul, he watched Stephen and he, he, he was there when they stoned Stephen to death. In chapter 7, he gets letters to go clear to Damascus, oldest city on the planet. Still a woe pronounced against it in Isaiah 17. It's going to be destroyed soon. I don't know if we'll see it or not. He gets letters. He goes to Damascus. What happens? On his way there, he's in all power and pomp, and all of a sudden, he, a bright light shines in his face, a consuming fire, and he falls down blind on the road, and the voice says, Saul, Saul, it's hard for you to kick, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. I need to read this. I better read it. Why are you persecuting me? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 9-5. Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Listen, God's using goads right now. If you don't know Jesus, he's goading you. He's moving you. He's pushing you into a place where you have to choose him or choose the world. He's goading you. You're like, oh, everything is against me. No, God is trying to get you to turn to him. He loves you. He loves you. He's not against you. He gets up, he's led into town. And God sends a, a man named Ananias to lay hands on him and pray that he would receive his sight. And in 9.17, it says that, that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And then it says in 20 that he immediately preached Christ in the synagogues. That he was the son of God. And then we'll just do one more. It's, it's chapter 19. Chapter 19. Paul traveling through. Gets to Ephesus where we were talking about earlier commanded to be always be being filled he gets to ephesus passes through that region he found some disciples some learners and he said to them did you receive the holy spirit when you believe what kind of question is that we would say in the church today we all know bible 101 that if you believe in jesus you receive the holy spirit and you're sealed but he said to them did you receive the holy spirit when you believe and then what did they say we have not so much as heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So he laid hands on them. They were baptized in the Spirit. They began to speak in tongues. Look at it. Verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon Epi them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. 
and the men were about 12 in all. Listen, maybe you didn't know that you could be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you didn't know that you had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you didn't know you're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. I want to show you really quick. I can do, I, I like doing this. I get in trouble for doing this. I know that you can only take as much as your seat can handle. But sometimes, I almost wasn't going to do it. Sometimes, an illustration can help you remember this. But here it is, right there, right here. Here's you, empty vessel. This is your empty vessel. Here's the Holy Spirit, water alongside you, convicted you of sin and righteousness and judgment. You're living your life. At least I was. And there was fire of hell burning me. There was all kinds of pain and suffering and heartache that was destroying my life. And the Holy Spirit is beside me the whole time. And I forgot one of my key elements of my display. Can you go get me a bowl? I forgot all about my bowl. Listen, and that vessel's getting destroyed. That vessel is getting destroyed by the fire. Empty. Pretending like they know life. Pretending like they know what they're doing. All the while saying, what is life all about? Pretending. Things are hurting. Things are painful. Why is life like this? Why is so much going on that I don't understand? All the while, the Holy Spirit is right there convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. And then finally you turn, you turn to God and the Holy Spirit seals you. And in your pain and suffering, the Spirit can spew out on the other people. The Spirit can actually come through that brokenness of life and, and, and you can minister to other people. But then somehow, and I can't do it, spiritually, the Holy Spirit gives you a new heart of flesh, not of stone. And then you can continue to be filled up. At the same time, the Spirit is pouring out of you. And then pretty soon, the Spirit is upon you and flowing out of your life like rivers of living water. And then the fire cannot hurt you anymore. The consuming fire will only help you. The consuming fire cannot damage your life anymore because you're covered in the blood. And it can't do anything to your vessel. It can only create in you a heart for God and burn out those things that are bad. It won't burn, believe me. I learned this in the county jail, heating up coffee with plastic trash bags. I didn't know people learned it in Boy Scouts. When people ask me where I went to college, I say Penn State. Or the state pen, that's what I meant, state pen. Because it's not even a good joke anymore to have went to Penn State. That's a bad joke. I'd rather tell them I was in the penitentiary. At least they know. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit might be beside you today, just convicting you of sin and righteousness and judgment. You've never let the Holy Spirit pour this cool water into you and give you peace, give you rest peace with God that's, that's forever and then give you spiritual eyes so you can begin to read the Bible and have this love relationship with God and then begin to fill you to overflowing as you obey God and learn to obey God. And part of obeying God is confessing when you're not obeying God. He says that if you will confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9. And he's continuing to cleanse us and prepare us as a bride. And he wants to keep washing and cleansing us so that one day he can present us to himself a spotless and clean bride without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Isn't that amazing? 
that he came and died for us, that he could present us to himself and we could be in his family. And you have the, the power of the Holy Spirit. You have the word of God. You have the body of Christ. All of us as the body have the same spirit, unity, putting on the mind of Christ if we will listen to the Holy Spirit. If, if, there's so much division among the church. Why? Because people aren't listening to the Holy Spirit. People aren't concerned about souls of mankind. See, that's the only thing Christ was concerned about as he hung on the cross. The Rome, remember, the Romans didn't kill him. The Gentiles didn't kill him. The Jews didn't kill him. He laid down his life. He gave it freely for you and me. And he now gives his spirit freely if you want to live a dynamic, powerful life for God that's not afraid of this world, not afraid of death anymore. All of our lives we were afraid of death. But now we know that to, to, to die, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. That's the end of the race. That's glorification. This is not the end of it all. Now we can begin to learn what this is all about. And it's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. There's salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, thank you. We ask now that you would baptize us with your spirit. That you would give us a desire to do your work and not our work. To be about your business. Not my will, but thy will be done. For your glory for such a time as this. Lord, we need your help. We beg for your help. We desire your help. We ask you, Lord, that you would help us to go onward and upward. And keep our minds fixed upon you. Your kingdom for your glory. And that we would be witnesses throughout Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, Attica, Williamsport, Lafayette, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Give us a desire to testify of your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I